Welcome to the Heartburn Podcast, Episode 7. Come on, somebody. Episode 7. I'm excited, and there's a blessing and an honor for whoever's listening to be listening. So real quick, we're going to jump right into it today, guys. Uh, we got a little bit different of a setup, um, so I'm not going to talk too much about that, but it's going to be a blessing either way. Listen, what is the Heartburn Podcast about as we get ready to jump into uh, Episode number 7? It is about seeing a people become madly in love and wildly on fire for the Lord Jesus. This is our heartburn guys it is centered around revival and seeing a people that bleed for revival that live in walk in talk about and desire revival i believe that there's a revival coming to the earth i believe a, a, a huge great awakening coming to america and it's in uh, other places in the world but guys i just want to just be frank with you if we have this heart for revival if we have this desire for revival, we've got to make the main thing the main thing. What is the main thing? It's Jesus. Jesus is the main thing. He's a main attraction. Revival happens when Jesus becomes the main thing again. And there's a lot of churches that have a lot of main things. And well, we're about this and we're about that and we're about this. And can we just get back to saying, listen, we're about Jesus. We're about seeing Jesus manifest himself on the earth. We're about Jesus saving people, setting people free, and delivering them from their drug addiction, from their hopelessness, from their demonic oppression and possession, from their, their, their just the, the ways of the world. We want to see people set free because there's a better way, there's a better life, and he is the way, the truth, and the life, and he is Jesus. And I want to just remind somebody real quick. What did Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, the life. No man come to the Father unless he comes through me. Jesus is still the only way. Maybe that's not popular where you're from. Maybe that's not popular in your church. Maybe that's not popular in your culture. Jesus is the only way to the only heaven that there is. But let me tell somebody, this is not a mean Jesus who's just looking at a crossboard and just crossing off the good and the bad things you do. Jesus is not, can I just tell somebody, Jesus is not Santa Claus and he's just comparing the naughty and nice things that you do let me tell you the list was as naughty as naughty could get you cannot pay your way into heaven buy your way bargain your way or cheat your way or sneak your way into heaven and jesus still saw us the father loved us so much that he sent jesus there's a lot of weight on john 3 16 i know we preach it it's been preached to death every person on the planet knows this and it doesn't have any more truth to it because we haven't talked about yeah we were yeah he loved us but why did he love us and in spite of the fact that we were dead in our trespasses you were dead in your trespasses and jesus still died for us guys i want to share so guys episode seven we're on episode seven what is episode seven about guys it is about souls 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 i'm going to share with you guys a vision that the lord gave me i was in the prayer room at our church um uh, the prayer room at abide lithia florida and we were in a time of worship and intercession and as this was happening the lord gave me a vision in the vision, I'm going to explain it to you. In the vision, I was in, I was standing in the forest. I, there were trees to my right. There were trees to my left. And there was I couldn't look back. I couldn't turn back. I could only go forward. And I saw Jesus in the distance. He was about 50 feet in front of me in the distance. 
And so I'm going towards Jesus. I see Jesus. I see Jesus. And I'm saying, Jesus, I'm calling out to Jesus, but he won't respond. And I get closer to him. And as I get closer to Jesus, I start to hear this sound I've never heard from Jesus before. Guys, I've been serving the Lord eight years, um, almost eight years. Eight years this summer, I'll have been serving the Lord Jesus. I've had a lot of visions. I've seen Jesus show up to me as merciful, as kind, with a smile on his face. Almost every time I see Jesus, he's full of joy or he's full of fire. So oftentimes, I see the Revelation 1 and the Revelation 19 Jesus with fire in his eyes on the white war horse. God, I see Jesus in power, y'all. Jesus ain't soft. He's not some European dude with a cute accent that all the girls like. Jesus ain't some soft dude. He is full of power and glory and wonder. But anyway, all these years, I've never seen Jesus crying in my visions. So in this vision, I can hear him. He is crying. He's wailing. He's screaming. Something I've never heard from before in Jesus. Yes, I know that he does that, but I've just never seen it in the vision. So I'm calling out to him. I get to him. I walk about 50 feet. I finally get to Jesus. And I say, Jesus, what's wrong? What's wrong, Jesus? And I put my hand on him. And I say, Jesus, what is wrong? And Jesus cannot respond to me. He is shaking violently and he's leaning up against this rock, this huge rock, this stone. And he is just violently crying, guys. I mean, wailing, top of his lungs, ugly, nasty cry. It is ringing through my ears. It's ringing through the forest. I can't even hear myself think. And I just say, Jesus, Jesus, what is, what's wrong, Jesus? What's wrong? Guys, he wouldn't answer me. He couldn't, I don't, it, it wasn't that he wouldn't answer me. It's that he couldn't answer me. And he was just weeping, this weeping I've never seen before. It was like a travail of the soul. It was like the deepest depths of his heart was just being released. And the only sound that came out was this crying. And after a few moments, I asked him one more time. And I just, I'm, I'm just stopped asking. And I asked him, Jesus, what's wrong? And he's weeping and he's crying. And suddenly he stops for half a moment. He literally takes a breath because he was crying so loud. Have you ever heard somebody, they're literally crying so loud that you can barely, like, they, they can't even breathe. Like, they're hyperventilating because they're crying so loud. But they're crying loud, but they can barely talk. So Jesus is crying so loud and, and he stops for half a second. He takes a deep breath. And guys, it rang me to my core. He yelled out at the top of his lungs out of the depths of his heart there was only one word jesus could say and he yelled out at the top of his lungs souls 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 and guys he didn't even look back up at me but he screamed out souls he said it four times and he went back to wailing and screaming and shaking and crying violently and guys it shook me to my core and in the vision the trees faded away the, 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 the grass under my feet faded away and suddenly I was in like this nothingness, this white nothingness that went on for eternity. And the only thing that was left was me staring at Jesus, Jesus crying and shaking violently. And this cry began to echo out in the rock that he laid on, that he leaned over on. And guys, when this vision happened, it literally rocked me to my core. I, I haven't been able to stop thinking about it ever since then. And that was... Today is today's Saturday. That, that happened on Wednesday. I haven't been able to shake it ever since then, guys. A couple of things happened that I want to kind of talk about in this vision. What I believe that it means, and we're going to talk about this a little bit tonight. So in the vision, 
I, there were trees to my left, trees to my right. I had, I was not able to turn around and look behind me. And I really felt like that was significant, that there's been things that have been behind us in our pursuit of Jesus. Jesus was right ahead of me. But for some reason, I wanted to turn around just to see what was back there, and I couldn't. And I believe that Jesus was saying through this vision, there's some things that you have seen, have done, have been a part of in the past, and I want you to leave it back there. Because all that stuff was good, but there's something greater in front of you. And as I'm walking, there's only one way I could only walk to Jesus and I got there and again he was crying he was wailing but the important thing about this is in the vision I saw this Jesus was leaned on this rock this huge rock this stone and the rock was drenched in the tears of Jesus I mean it wasn't just a couple of teardrops it was literally drenched it like like this this rock should have been soggy how drenched it was uh, but it wasn't but it glistened like oil and I want you to hear me clearly. Jesus was leaning on a rock and he was crying out for souls. What is Jesus doing at this very moment, guys? You guys have heard me talk about it before. And we're going to spend we're going to spend several episodes talking about this in the future. Jesus right now in this very second is on the right hand of the father ever making intercession. He is crying out right now. He is in prayer and intercession. That is the ministry of Jesus right now, guys. And I want you to understand, he was leaning on the rock. He wasn't looking up at me. He wasn't looking to the side. His face was buried in his arm and he was crying into the rock. I believe that the Lord was saying through this vision, that right now in heaven, I am crying out into the ears of my children. I'm crying out into the ears of the people of God. And I'm crying out into the ears of God himself. And I'm crying out for one thing. I'm crying out for souls. And I want you to understand that this rock was drenched and it looked like oil. And I felt like the Lord was saying that when we let the when we get this in us, when we let the tears of Jesus drench us for souls, there will be an anointing that is produced through us that will see us that will see the church operate in a greater anointing than we ever have before and lastly everything else disappeared and the only thing I could see was Jesus and I really believe that this was significant that the only thing that matters Jesus and souls yes I'm an apostolic prophetic you name it evangelistic teaching preaching all that we got to do all that stuff but the main thing has to become the main thing again guys and this vision really hit me because I got to remember like this thing is about souls and I had to even repent guys. I have, listen, I've done the preaching to the lost. I've done the evangelism. I've laid hands on people uh, randomly, you know, and, and, and seen people healed. I've seen people saved, all that stuff, but we need to, I felt the Lord was telling me, we need to be careful of random evangelism. Marcus, you sound like a heretic. Why would you tell me to be careful when I randomly evangelize? I'm not telling you don't randomly evangelize. This is what I want you to be careful of. I felt like the Lord was just highlighting. We've had these periods in history, especially recently within the last 10 years, where it's all about, okay, we're going to go to this X amount of place. Watch this. We're going to go to this X place. We're going to pray for so many people. And then when we're done, we're not going to thank Jesus. We're going to pat ourselves on the back, go get some good dinner, and then go about the rest of our lives. I want you to understand, God does not want you to stop 
evangelizing. He doesn't want you to stop reaching out and praying for people. What he wants us to stop doing is treating it like a once a month event on the calendar where we get together with our buddies. We go and pray for people because, oh, watch this, because we're only comfortable praying for people when we're with our friends. And then when we're done, we give a pat on the back to ourselves, go eat dinner. And then we forget about the people we evangelize to. We didn't even appoint them to a local assembly. We just gave ourselves a pat on the back and a, and a, a shiny sticker and said, all right, great job, guys. You guys are awesome. Amazing work. Again, guys, I'm not telling you not to evangelize. What I'm saying is I don't want to meddle. I don't want to meddle and I don't want a shiny star sticker for my work for the kingdom. I'm not doing this for, uh, for stickers. I'm not doing this for medals. I'm doing this for souls and I'm doing it for crowns. I want some crowns to throw at the feet of Jesus, y'all. I want some crowns to give to the Lord because of the work that I did in, uh, on the earth that is going to affect eternity. There are some chairs in heaven that have some names that have yet to be saved yet. I want you to understand. There are some chairs that have yet to be filled in heaven there are some names that have yet to be written in the book of life and i'm saying listen don't go don't go too deep with me guys you know what i'm saying tonight but listen i just feel this man we got to get over this cute evangelism stuff where it's all about how well can we do at this how well can we do at that and how big of a you know how big of how how many people can i look down and listen oh i saw this happen this happened this happened and this happened and you don't know where they are no more why because you were all about preaching you were all about the signs, wonders, and miracles, but you didn't actually love them. So after you evangelized, after you preached, after they got healed, you said, ha ha, high five, see you later, alligator, in a wild crocodile. And God's like, yo, like, where's your heart for the lost? They, if, if they really just entered the kingdom, shouldn't you care a little bit more? Shouldn't you get their phone number? Shouldn't you be pointing them to a local assembly? Like, where's the follow-up? I'm not talking about, listen to me, I'm not talking about assimilation. I'm talking about discipleship. Some of y'all need to catch that today. I'm not talking about assimilation. Let's get them into our programs. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about in this moment is discipleship. What is the Great Commission? Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations. Watch this, teaching them to obey my commandments. Why is it that we think that discipleship is if you just come to church once a week, you're good to go. Discipleship, Jesus said, teach them to obey my commandments. What did Jesus say? If you are my friend, you will obey me. We don't like to obey people, but we want to be, we don't like to obey Jesus, but we want to be his friend. And he's saying, listen, this great commission is not the great assimilation. Great assimilation. I thank God for assimilation programs in churches. They are good. But the great assimilation is not the great commission. Marcus, what do you mean by that? The great assimilation. I'm glad that you got programs to plug people into in your church. I'm glad that you got a kids ministry for their kids. I'm glad you got a women's Bible study every Thursday where y'all drink coffee and you don't gossip. Thank God for the real ones. Come on, somebody. But listen, if your assimilation program plugs them into your church, but does not plug them into Christ, then we're missing something. We've got great programs that plug people into our churches, but they don't plug people into the cross. And God is saying, listen, your church is cute. Your church is cool, but your church is not going to walk them through this thing, everything, every night and day and be there and heal them and speak to them. Your church plays a part. Come on, somebody. But it doesn't play the only part. 
Your church plays a part, but your church doesn't play the part. And listen, I'm, I thank God that you got things going on. But listen, can I just remind somebody? The greatest evangelistic helper and the greatest discipler is the Holy Spirit. Come on, the Godhead that is in the earth at this moment. The Holy Spirit is the great helper. He's a great, um, he's a great evangelistic helper, and he's a great discipler. First Corinthians 12 says, No one can say that Jesus is Lord unless the Holy Spirit draws him. Some of y'all want the KJV, draweth him nigh. Come on, somebody. I know my KJV. Draweth them nigh. Come on, we love to say that so cute, but we don't actually we don't actually believe it. No one can say that Jesus is Lord. Unless the Holy Spirit draws him in. I want you to understand. I'm glad that your programs drew them to church. I'm glad you had the big Easter, um, the big Easter egg hunt and a hundred extra kids came and you handed out flyers. Thank God for it. Praise the Lord. I'm glad that you got them to the potluck and they enjoyed the meal. And if you're anything like me, you stuck around the Spanish section the whole time. Cause I'm just eating all the Spanish food. Come on, somebody. But it doesn't matter if we didn't draw them to the cross. And we got to get back to preaching the unadulterated, uncompromising, undignified gospel that says this man hung naked on a tree because you were dead in your sin. And if he didn't do it, you would suffer a punishment that you deserved. Some of us forget we get all high and mighty in church because you got your little church clothes on. You got your mom jeans. Come on, somebody. Y'all want to talk to me today. You got your bowling shirt and you think you trendy and looking cute and all. That's all good. Some of us forgot we didn't deserve the salvation that Jesus gave us. You cannot properly understand the height of his grace if you do not properly understand the depth of your sin. I'm not a gloom and doom preacher. I'm not that guy that's going to be talking bad and saying you're scum and oh, total depravity. You're nothing. God. Oh, you're despicable. I'm not going there with y'all tonight. What I'm saying is this. You're great. You're awesome. You got great things in store for you. You are created. You are created by the Lord himself. You are created by God. Genesis 120 says, let us make man in our image. I'm not saying you're not great. What I'm saying is outside of the blood of Jesus, we all fall short of the glory. Romans 223. 323. We all fall short of the glory of God. I don't care how many church services you've been to. I don't care how many people that you've invited to church. And I don't care how many people you laid hands on and they got fake healed. I don't care. Without the blood of Jesus, we all fall short of the glory of God. And I truly believe that if this revelation comes back into the church where we say, if it were not for the mercy of God, come on, somebody, if it were not for the grace of the Lord, I would still be dead in my trespasses. Once this hits us again, guys, I think we'll take this thing a little bit more serious when Jesus cries out for souls. I think we'll take it a little bit more serious when we when we hear Jesus crying out for souls, because I want you to understand he was crying into the rock in his vision. He was crying into the rock. Jesus is crying into his church. Shut the programs down and cry out for souls. Shut the all the crazy, all the other stuff that you're doing. That's good, but it's not in the heart of the father. Could you just lay that down and actually hear what I'm saying? Could you lay that down and actually pray what I'm praying? Marcus, you always talk about intercession. What is intercession? Intercession is when you see Jesus and he makes you feel like he feels so that you'll pray like he prays. I believe this. If you can get a revelation of the heart of Jesus for the loss, it'll change the way you pray for the loss. 
It'll change the way you talk to that family member that you don't like. It'll change the way you talk to that boss that you hope gets fired because you can't stand them. It'll change the way we look at the loss because we see the heart of Jesus. What did he say in Luke chapter, uh, what is it? Luke chapter 19, I believe. He said, the son came to seek and save the loss. I believe it's Luke 19, 10. The son came to seek and to save the loss. He was looking for them. Can I tell you? Jesus was looking for the loss that he still is. He said, I came to seek and save the lost uh, and not judge and belittle the loss, not argue with the loss or avoid the loss. Some of us will either argue with the loss or we'll avoid the loss. We ain't doing both and we doing one or the other. Some of us like, I'm just not going to talk to nobody. And some of us will argue with them all day and we'll, we'll, throw, we'll throw 97 uh, pieces of advice on what they need to do to get saved. And Jesus is like, listen, they don't want to hear that. They want to see me. They don't want to hear your cute stuff. They want to see me. They want to see what I have to offer. They want to see the everlasting life that I, that you've talked about. Why is it that you can talk about the everlasting? Listen, if you can preach this gospel without tears or without a smile, something's wrong with you. If you can preach this gospel without tears or without a smile, there's something wrong. Why? Because this gospel will bring you to tears when you think about the everlasting life that Jesus offers. And this gospel will bring you, come on, the oil, the, the, the oil of gladness. Come on, the, the, the clothing of gladness. It'll bring you joy in your spirit when you remember the good thing that the Lord Jesus did for you. I believe that we can get back to this. It comes back to like, this place of man, I remember where I was. I remember what I was going through and I remember what I was doing. But when I think about where Jesus met me, my God, it reminds me of who I am. I'm going to be releasing, releasing a video on this soon uh, just about my testimony. Let me just let you guys know in case some of y'all be just hitting me up. Man, Marcus, you're so radical and passionate. Praise God. I'm not your cute little church boy. I didn't grow up in church. I grew up around church every now and then and I hated it. I didn't like church. Church. I'm gonna go into the details another day and share my testimony. But let me let you guys know. I got saved. I'm 30 years old. I got saved at the age of 23 after a lifetime of hating God. I wasn't an atheist. I did. I but I knew. I knew with all my being there was a God. But I did not like Him. I actually hated Him. I wanted nothing to do with this. And let me tell you, I always look back. And I I want to share this with you. Could I don't know. I just feel this all of a sudden. I look back and I can tell you if somebody would, I'm not, okay, I'm not psychic. I'm not, you know, whatever. Don't get too deep with me. I can tell you that my heart was open to the gospel for years. If somebody would have preached the gospel to me, I believe I would have got saved years and years before I actually did. Why, Marcus? Because when I finally, when I was in the, when I was, uh, I'm not going to go too deep into my testimony, but when I finally got around a pastor who was, he was real, he was genuine, he loved me when I was in my sin and didn't care nothing about coming to church, he would invite me over to his house, we would have a good time together, and he would just love me. And I would hear his messages and how much it convicted him. And it would do something to me. I didn't give my life to, to the Lord while I was under that, you know, going to that church sporadically. But it did something in me. So when I finally started going to church and got saved, I look at that as where the most seeds were sown for me to receive the gospel. So I say this, I say that to say this. I truly believe that I probably could have gotten saved at a younger age if somebody would have just sat me down and said, 
You need to hear this gospel message. I'm concerned about your eternity. I know you've gone through some things, but there is a Jesus who can save you, who can change you, and who can give you life everlasting and do amazing things in and through your life just by you being saved, just by you knowing him. I believe I could have got saved at a younger age. Yes, Jesus knows what he's doing, blah, blah, blah. Don't get into me with all that. This is what I'm saying, y'all. There is a world full of people who I believe are open and receptive to the gospel. Most of the time where I talk to people about Jesus, most people don't bash, don't, don't interrupt me. They don't tell me to shut up and they don't tell me they hate Jesus. They, they're open to it. They listen. They're just not quite ready, quote unquote ready. They're just not quite, it's not, it's not quite checked their spirit yet. We need to stop being so shy about this gospel because you ain't shy about the things you watch on TikTok. Oh, Y'all will share reels on TikTok all day. You'll share memes and you'll share uh, gifs of cats dancing in a birthday hat. But we won't share the gospel. And I'm thinking, man, I, like where, where are we at in a society? Where, why? Because you feel like it's easier. Let's just be real. Most of us don't share the gospel because we think it's too hard or we're too shy. And I'll be seeing y'all Facebooks. I'll be seeing y'all Twitters. I don't see y'all Twitters. I'm not on Twitter. I don't see your Snapchat either. I'll be seeing y'all Facebook. I'll be seeing your Instagrams. I know that you ain't shy. I'll be seeing the stuff you be talking about. I see when the light shows up in your eyes at church when somebody brings out that Zumba class that you go to or somebody brings up that, um, that, that game that you were watching or whatever it is. We've all got these things in our life. Where you start to talk about it and you can just feel the check. Like, oh, there it is. Yeah. Yep. He likes this thing. He's passionate about this. She's passionate about this. Can I tell you, there's not a lot of things I'm, pa I'm going to be real with you guys. There's not a lot of things I'm passionate about outside of the cross. Outside of this gospel message, I, I love basketball. I love my family. There's not a lot of stuff like there's not a lot of things like if you start talking to me about, I'm going to sit up in my chair like, oh, yeah, I could talk about this. There's just not a lot. Why? Because everything pales in comparison to the glory of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. And I believe this man that passion knows no personality. What do you mean by this? I've, I've seen the most quiet and shy men and women, boys and girls turn up when it's something like when somebody talk about something that they're serious about. I've just seen it. They're all about it. They want to talk about this. They want to talk about that. And you, well, you try to talk to them. They've got nothing to say. They've got nothing that they want to discuss with you. But once you hit that one thing, they sit up in the chair. Oh, come on. They stop scrolling and put the phone down. And they got something that they want to talk to you about. Why? Because it's their passion. Passion knows no personality, guys. So stop telling me you're just not, you're not, you're just, that's not your personality. I'm more of a shy type. Listen, if you know me outside of this podcast, which most of y'all don't, if you know me outside of this podcast, I'm a pretty quiet and reserved guy. I just get passionate and I start getting loud and start acting a fool and start sweating and all this stuff and perspiring for no reason. That's just how I am, y'all. I'm just naturally quiet. I'm more of a quote-unquote introvert. If you want to know something personal about me, I actually call myself an extroverted introvert. What do I mean by that? I need my... I, I, I need my alone time. That's how I get my energy. That's how I like, I, I love to just be alone. And now that I'm saying, I love to just be alone with the Lord. But if you get me in a, in an environment, I love to talk to people. I love to get to know people, but by nature, like after a while, I'm one of those people. Listen, we just want to talk real for a second. I'm one of those people. I have a social interaction meter and I can be hanging out, having a good time with people, loving the conversation, loving the food, loving the fellowship, loving the fun. 
And bro, my social media, my, my social media, my social interaction bar will hit zero and I will go from being uh, just, you know, hyping, quote unquote, extroverted to like, all right, I'm ready to go. I just, I just don't have it in me for a long period of time. I'm being real with you guys. I say all that to say this. What's the point of saying all this, Marcus? I could easily use the excuse that I'm not that type of person. I don't have that personality. My personality has to take a backseat to my passion. And what is my passion? It is revival. Because in revival, Jesus reveals himself and all men come running to him and not a cute sermon anymore. I thank God for your sermon that you worked on. I believe that the Lord used your sermon. I believe that God gave you that sermon. But guess what? Your sermon ain't saving nobody. It'll draw them. And listen, it'll either, it, it may draw them to your church. It may draw them to your social media platform. And I don't care about that. But if it draws them to Jesus, oh, there's the, the anointings on it if it draws them to Jesus. If you pick up a follow on Instagram, but they don't start serving the Lord, oh, no matter how much they watch you, it didn't draw them to Jesus. It drew them to you. And I pray no matter what I do, I, I say this humbly and I'm dead serious. Like I pray no matter what I do that I don't draw people to me. I draw people to Jesus because guess what? That uh, in the book of Acts, in the book of Acts, when the, when the, um, the, the, the Pharisees got together because they had Peter and um, John. They said, listen, you remember when the old dude rose up? I don't remember his name off the top of my head. This guy rose up and he drew a following. But when he died, everybody scattered. If this is God, you can't stop it. But if it is not God, it'll, it'll dull out eventually. And it won't even really matter because these naysayers are going to come and go. But guess what? If it's God, you can't stop it. What am I trying to say to the preachers on here, to those that preach this gospel, whether on a microphone or in the marketplace? I'm trying to say you need a word in your belly that comes from the Lord and not from social media, not from the next greatest podcast. Even though I thank you for listening, make sure you subscribe. Come on, somebody. Not from the next greatest TED Talk. You need something that comes from the throne of God that draw that turns and draws the hearts of men towards the Lord Jesus once that happens come on he said I will draw all men unto me no one says that Jesus is Lord unless the Holy Spirit draws him in guess what when you stop filtering your message to be cute the Holy Spirit can draw them we got a gospel that we've put a filter in front of and we block all the good stuff and we let the stuff through that sounds cute and we wonder why nobody's changed, transformed, or set free. Listen, we got to stop filtering the word of God because we think people don't want to hear it. Can I tell you people get bored with that fluffy stuff? People get bored with that cute stuff? Like they're not worried about that, man. They're not trying to hear that. They're not trying to go through all the, all the 10 steps to have a better life. Now, don't get me wrong. They'll go, they'll go through it. What I mean is this, that it won't draw them and change them in spirit. So praise God for your 10 steps to a better life and five steps to drop your addiction. Listen. The gospel is still good news. Why are we so scared to preach a gospel that literally means good news? This is not the bad news. This is not the burning in your chest. And this is not the bittersweet tea of heaven. This is good news. The gospel is still good news that we were dead in our sin, that we had nothing left to give or offer. And yet still he died on the cross for us. What does it say in Romans that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I believe it's Romans 5, 23 or something, somewhere around there. One of my favorite verses, while we were yet sinners. I say that about a lot. I just love the whole Bible. Come on. While we were yet sinners, Christ 
died for us. And I think if we can get a hold of that, guys, things will change for us. Things will begin to transform. Things will change. And guess what? When you get a hold of the good news, you don't have to try to do things for others that only God can do for them. Can we stop? Listen, can we stop trying to clean up people when we can't clean them up? Can we stop trying to make, make pretty people up? Stop trying to pretty people, walking zombies and dead men alive. Stop trying to pretty them up. If they're dead, they're dead. Let the Lord bring them to life with a new and make them a new creation. I was at a party one time, bro. And I was at this party. And it was a birthday party. All these kids, they were having fun. They were having a great time. And all of a sudden, I heard this screaming. It was this little girl. And she was, I'm in Florida, y'all. She was covered. I mean, I'm not even over-exaggerating. Like, you can see them crawling up and down. Fire ants from this girl's neck down to her feet. And she's running towards her mom, screaming, Mommy, help me, help me, help me. The girl felt like she was going to die or something. And she ran up to her mom. And the mom said, Wait, don't touch me. And the mom grabbed the hose. She said, back up, don't touch me. She grabbed the hose. She sprayed the hose on her. And when she felt like enough ants were off of her, she said, okay, now you can come into the house. This is how we treat church, y'all. There are people that are literally being covered by the enemy. The enemy is crawling up and down on them. Life is crawling up and down on them. It's weighing them down. It's killing them. And when they're running to Jesus, when they're running to the church, we say, wait, wait, you can't come in like that. You can't touch me like that. You're too dirty. So let me spray sprinkle you with some water let me sprinkle you with a couple of bible verses john 3 16 oh come on somebody for god so loved the world oh he came to seek and save the lost oh he loves you and he oh, like we'll sprinkle bible verses and say okay now let's get you clean enough to come into the church if you pull your shirt up and stop showing your cleavage, young lady, now you can come into the church. This is the attitude that we have and we wonder why they know why we wonder why broken people don't come into the church. Broken people don't come into the church because you've got 30 security system checks that you got to do. Is their shirt high enough? Is their skirt long enough? Does he smell like cigarettes? Does he ha does he smoke weed? Whatever it is, like does he got a does he have a collared shirt on? Does he do this and uh, will he promise to go to the men's ministry? If you can't pass those checkpoints, you can't get into a lot of churches. And let me tell you, the same, oh, I feel this. The same checkpoints that you would use to keep the dirty and the broken out of your church is the same checkpoints that would keep Jesus out of your church. Come on, I'll amen myself because I can't hear you. The same checkpoints we use to keep the broken out of our churches until they're clean enough is the same checkpoints that are keeping Jesus out of our churches at this very moment. Keeping the Holy Spirit out of our churches at the very at this very moment. And we got to stop trying to what did what did what did Jesus say to uh, Peter and Andrew? He said, follow me and you I will make you fishers of men. You're going to fish for men now. He didn't say you're going to clean men. He didn't say you're going to remove the scales from men. He said, I just want you to catch them and let me handle the rest. The problem is we're telling Jesus, let me handle everything. And Jesus is saying, you preach the gospel and I'll take it from there. Stop trying to clean what you were just meant to catch. 
Stop trying to clean what you were just meant to catch. Guys, I need to get a stand-up desk because I'm just bouncing in my chair here and I'm about to kick somebody. I'm about to judo chop the enemy right now. This is this goes so much past what we can do. You can't save nobody. You can't change nobody. You can't transform nobody. But let me tell you who can. It is Jesus. It is Jesus. And I don't want my religious... I don't want my Christian number. I don't want my religiosity to keep people from eternity with the Lord. Could you imagine if you got to heaven and you saw a TV screen and the Lord says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter now thine into my kingdom. He says, but first I want to show you something. And you say, Lord, what you got to show me? And he shows you every, imagine this. I'm not, I'm not saying this happens. I can't prove it in scripture. I'm just saying, let me give you something that will convict you real quick. Imagine the Lord while you're entering heaven. You're saved. You're good. You're not going to hell. We got a bedroom for you. In my house are many rooms. If it was not so, I wouldn't say it to you. But we get to heaven and he shows you every face that not every face in the world. Okay. But every face that you had a direct impact on. Look at me. That you had a direct impact on. And they're in torment in hell. And you didn't preach to them, let alone pray for them. Like this really hit me the other day. Because I, I, I've decided I'm not going to preach to people that I wouldn't pray for. I'm not going to preach to people that I don't love. So God has to change my heart so that I have a greater love for everybody so that I can preach to all men. Because what's the point in saying something that you don't mean? What's the point in saying something that you don't have a heart behind? Listen, imagine you see all these people and the Lord says, I put them in your path. So that you could catch them and I could clean them. So that you could preach to them and I could save them. So that you would love them and I could give them life. But you wouldn't preach to them, let alone even pray for them. Guys, I pray this seriously like convicts us. Like I don't want to be that dude. I don't want to be that dude that drew them to the picnics and drew them to the fellowships. But I never shared the love of God with them. I've got people in my life that I'm praying for right now and I'm not talking their ears off, but I'm being intentional about when I can sharing the Lord Jesus with them. This goes past a Sunday service, y'all. It really does. This goes past a Sunday message where your pastor preaches once a week, twice a week, and that's all the gospel we think we need. I want to let you know, if your pastor preaches once or twice a week, you should be out preaching him. If your pastor preaches once or twice a week, the entire church should be out preaching the pastor. Why? Because every day you're running into family, friends, your neighborhood, the grocery store, your job. Anywhere you go, there's somebody that the Lord wants you to directly impact. You may not preach a 30-minute message. You may not have a microphone and you may not have a pulpit and some nice little courtesy cloths to, to, to lay on people after you push them down and say it was the Holy Ghost. You may not have that, but can I tell you, some of the greatest preachers that I know have never touched a microphone. They know how to explain the gospel. They know how to share it in love to different types of people. And they know how to make it hit the heart of men and women. And I'm like, that's what we need. We need more men and women that know how to pierce the heart. What, is, what happened in Acts chapter 2? Peter preached his message and it says they were cut to heart. They were pierced at heart and they said, what must we do to be saved? What must we do to be saved? And I believe that this is going to hit the church. 
where we preach with a passion and a boldness that makes us say, that makes the world say, what must we do to be saved? God, I'm going to say a couple more things. We're going to be done with this episode. I've just felt this so much that we need to, the Lord, I'm asking God to give us hearts that care for love, pray for and preach to the lost, and that we will not have selfish salvation. Marcus, what is selfish salvation? Selfish salvation is when your heart was warm enough to receive the gospel, but it was too cold to believe that somebody else needed it too. Selfish salvation is when your heart is warm enough to receive the gospel, but it's too cold to believe that somebody else needs it too. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that person. And last thing, I want to, I just want to share this last vision that I've seen before. You want to look, you want to know what it means to preach the gospel. You want to know what it means to bring people into an encounter with the Lord. I had this vision and I'm going to say this real quick and we're going to get out of here guys. So in this vision, I was literally, I was like in this plaza area. I'm not sure where I was. It was like a college campus plaza area. All I know is there was like a show going on. It was like a, it was like an outdoor amphitheater. And I'm at this outdoor amphitheater and I'm running around and I'm just grabbing people. I'm yelling at them. And I'm like, come here. You got to see this. Come here. It's like that person. Like you ever seen like one of them alien movies where like there's something crazy happening. And they're like trying to get everybody's attention. I'm running around. I'm screaming at everybody. I'm like, come here. You got to look at this. You got to look at this. I'm running, I'm grabbing people and I'm sending them somewhere. So I send them. It's like a huge group and they're like gathering. And they're like leaving the show, the concert, whatever you want to call it, whatever it was. And they're going to the spot. And I remember like the lens. I see things kind of like a movie. The lens was like pointing down at this crowd, almost like a drone in the sky. And I run through the sky and I point up and I point up. And then when I point up, the camera turns around and literally the, the skies are parted. The clouds are parted and I see the throne of God. And the Lord is on the throne and the angels are surrounding him and there's glory and power. And I just remember saying, look at him, look at him, look at him. And man, I just feel, I remember seeing that, I think it was a couple of months ago. And I was like, that is the key to who we are called to be. That is the key to what we're called to do. We are called to say, look at him, not look at me, not look at my ministry or my programs or my fancy church. All that stuff is great. The call and mandate on our lives is to tell people, behold the lamb that was slain. Behold this, the lamb that came to save the sins of the world. Behold the lamb who comes to take the sin of the world. This is our call. This is what it means to go after souls, guys. So, man, I'm praying that we catch this. I'm praying that we get this. And I'm praying that God will just birth this in our heart to a place where we long for nothing more. Not this, not a, not, not anything else. No mandates, no structures, no systems can out can, can take place in my heart to where I want anything else and to see people saved and to see the glory of God fall on a people in a region. So, Father, I'm going to pray, Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that the heart's cry of your church will be souls 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 father that we will we will neglect and put everything to the side that has gotten in the way that we won't look back to lesser lovers and we won't even look back to good things 
But Lord, we will look forward to the call and the cry of Jesus who is crying out at this moment, interceding in heaven for souls. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you will bring a mass revival that sweeps through nations, that sweeps through counties and communities, and sweeps through churches, God. That there will be an outpouring and an outflowing of the Holy Spirit that cannot be contained in the church building and in our fellowships and gatherings. But Lord, that it will literally affect our school systems and that there will be a mass salvation amongst the young people, mass salvation in the police force, mass salvation in governmental structures. And God, that you will take charge, you will take over, and you will, I speak it now, you will receive the reward of your suffering, Jesus. We speak it now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God, amen.